Welcome to the Calvary Baltimore Sermon Podcast. Great to have you with us. Calvary meets in the Jaffa Falston area north of Baltimore, and our pastor is Josh Plantholt. If you're nearby on a Sunday, come join us. For all the details, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org. And now, here's this week's teaching. We're going to look at Revelation 11 again, verses 1 through 14, and uh, we're going we're to peek again at the two witnesses with an emphasis on a singular verse. Uh, but one of the things I do want to say is there are endless debates and wild speculation as to who these two witnesses are. Um, I, for today's sermon purposes, if, if you're dying to know, again, I shared it briefly last week. I'll say it again this week. I believe it to be Moses and Elijah. Uh, a very close contender to me is uh, Elijah and uh, Enoch. Uh, if you want a detailed uh, discussion on who and why I think these two witnesses are, uh, you're going to have to check out tomorrow's Bible study because I put a whole lot in there on who these two uh, fellas may be. Uh, but for today, I'm, I'm leaning Moses and Elijah, just so you know where I'm, I'm coming from. So with that, let's uh, jump right in. Uh, Revelation 11, verse 1. Verse 1. Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside of the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 1, days clothed in sackcloth. Do you notice the I will statements here? <laughs> If you need any evidence that God is in control, here he is. He's telling us exactly what he will do. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Verse 5. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consume their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky, that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom in Egypt, where their Lord was crucified for three and a half days. Some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. But after three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them. Awesome. And they stood up on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies watched them. And at that hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. This the second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is soon to come. Let's pray one more time. God, we, we do ask for your wisdom and your guidance here. Help us to be washed by the water of your word. 
Change us today. And fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So the plan was to move on to verse 15. What a dream I had. Uh, so for those of you that have been with, with us a while, you'll know that every once in a while I find a verse and I can't move past it. Verse 4 was one of those verses. So we're going to look at verse 4 today, and then next week we're going to continue on in the verse 15. So I want to read verse 4 again. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. That was it. And I was so captivated for all week because of that. The, The question we should have is, how are two men, also two trees... And also two lampstands. Like this all seems kind of puzzling and mystic, doesn't it? And and I have an answer for you, but in order to answer it, it would be helpful for us to take a detour of the Bible's use of trees and lampstands as people. So our first stop is in the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 1 for a little while. We're going to have we're we're hopping on a on a on a tour bus right now. We're going to go sightseeing, and these are not the sort of teachings I normally give. But boy, do I love them! So here we go. Verse Psalm one one: Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You notice God loves using threes. It's all through the Bible. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Psalm 1 and 2 are very much a gateway into understanding the whole Bible. Do you know... The book that Jesus quoted most often in Scripture was the book of Psalms. In many ways, if you want to understand how Jesus thought, you better study the Psalms. And in one of the ways this is true is how Psalm 1 describes the righteous. The godly, as verse 1 and 2 lays out, the godly are those who delight and meditate on the word of God, for they are like trees, and trees planted by streams, plural, of water. So Psalm 1 talks about people as trees. Now the prophet Jeremiah, he took Psalm 1 and expanded upon it. You don't have to turn there, just listen. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. You see that double? There's a double there. That means Jeremiah is telling us that doubly, we are doubly blessed when we read the word and trust it. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So again, Jeremiah, building upon Psalm 1, says too that the godly, those who read and follow the word, are like trees planted by the waters. And of course, wouldn't Jesus call people trees? You will know a tree by its fruit. Well, we're all trees. (laughs) A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. So now we know there's good and bad trees. So Jesus, like other New Testament writers, also calls people trees. In the scriptures, the godly are trees and trees planted where? Psalm 1, by streams of water. 
Now, we have to ask ourselves a question. Is David coming up with this analogy all on his own? Or where else in the Bible have we seen trees planted by God by streams of water? Eden. In the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was set between four rivers. What was the Garden of Eden filled with? Trees. Some they should eat and one they shouldn't. Boy, they went after the one they shouldn't. I bet it was a bacon tree. But either way, they went after it. And Psalm, Psalm 1 is saying to us, is that the man and woman who delight and meditate on the word of God become as trees in the Garden of Eden. We, when we, through faith, when we, Psalm 2, kiss the sun lest we perish on the way, when we make peace with Jesus Christ, that the blood of Jesus cleanses us, the Bible says, from all sins. That's not some sins. Jesus didn't die for most of your sins. He died for all of our sins, which is why we rejoice <laughs> so in many ways, in Christ, through faith, when we hear the gospel and believe it, we are back to our Edenic state. Paul talks about the believer as if we're already in heaven glorified. As if we've already been perfected, because in heavenly places we already have. If you're written in the Lamb's book of life, it is as good, as, as sure, as sure, as sure as it can be, that you will be with God forever and ever and ever. Which is why in many ways, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, it's as if we're a trees in Eden. <laughs> so, so when we come to faith and then meditate on the scriptures, uh, on Christ, we are as trees planted back in Eden in a state of total peace with God. We're never to be kicked out of the garden. Our forefathers were, didn't they? Because they sinned, but we've been imputed the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which will never fail. We cannot be kicked out of this new Eden. But Psalm 1 goes back to say, we're going to keep reading it, verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The righteous are people who have given themselves to the word of God. They are as trees in Eden, planted by streams of water, undefiled, uncorrupted, made a total peace with God. Remember in Psalm chapter 3, the, remember Jesus came down to walk in the cool of the day. He wanted to walk with man in the garden. We were at total peace with God. And through Christ, it's that way all over again. But the wicked are not so. They are like dying trees. They're like dying Eden. Trees that have shed their life. They bear no fruit. They are dying. Again, I think there's a picture there when Jesus curses the fig tree on his way to uh, the temple. He says, may nothing grow from you again. <laughs> then the thing withers and dies. Now people are trees. But also in the scriptures, trees are lampstands. So David, who wrote the Psalms, would gather the materials needed to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. And his son Solomon was the one to eventually build it. Now, once the temple of Solomon was built, just let's imagine I take a church trip to the temple of Solomon and we go walking on in. And there it is. We're up on Temple Mount. And one of the things we would notice immediately is as we were drawing near to the temple, besides the temple were pools of water. All along the side. And then once inside the door, and the doors, when you open the doors of the temple, they were covered in trees and cherub. It's just like the cherub that guarded the Garden of Eden. 
And once inside the temple, which we wouldn't be allowed in, but let's just say in this imaginary world we were allowed in, once inside the temple in the holy place, the holy place was a big golden room. And on the walls were engravings of trees. And on the floor were ten lampstands filled with with, uh, menorahs. The menorahs were shaped like trees. And so, and again, in, in many ways, if we want to be, be, think about this, the, the, the menorah is very much like the burning bush in the wilderness. It's a tree, it's on holy ground, it's on fire, and it never burns out because the, the menorahs were never meant to run dry. But here in Solomon's temple and in Revelation 2 and 3, there's a grove of lampstands and trees like within the Garden of Eden. So Solomon's temple, once inside, was a picture of Eden. It was a holy grove of God besides many waters. Now, thinking of the early chapters of Revelation, the churches were lampstands in chapters 1 through 3, weren't we? And Jesus walked amongst those seven lampstands. Well, since within the scriptures, lampstands are also trees, Jesus in Revelation 1 is walking amongst the grove of the church. Remember what Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am present. Well, what are the godly from Psalm 1? Fruit trees. When the church gathers, did you know there's a sense that we are lampstands amongst lampstands, but there's also a sense that we form a type of Eden with God amongst us? That's cool. Then building upon temple themes, what is the church called? The temple of the Lord. We are in Eden, in a sense. And we are a type, a picture of Eden. Now this all points, uh, the the point to all this is that in Christ, through Jesus' blood, we are a total peace with God, as if we are already back in Eden. Psalm 1, we are as trees in Eden, in the temple, lampstands who are fixed and stand before God in the holy place. Now, Revelation chapter 11, verse 4 says of these two witnesses, they are two olive trees, And they are two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. As both trees and lampstands, like the church, they represent not only Eden, but the very presence of God himself. These two men are sent with ditto me, with authority, to represent God to a people who hate God. Now interesting, these two witnesses, like Jesus calls people, are fruit trees. And specifically, these two witnesses are olive trees. And not coincidentally, the lamps in the tabernacle in the temple in Exodus 27 burned on pure olive oil. So both the olive tree and the lampstand are only made useful when the olive is present. Fun fact, oil is mentioned over 200 times in scripture. Uh, Often in everyday means like cooking, so clearly that's part of my house. I burn through so much olive oil, it's unbelievable. But one of the, I told my wife yesterday, I go, we need more olive oil. She goes, we just bought some. I'm like, I've been cooking a lot. She goes, I'm aware. But anyways, (laughs) one one of the large themes of oil in the scriptures is that of anointing. In Daniel 9.25, Jesus is called the anointed one. In Psalm 2.2, Jesus is called the anointed one. Both Saul and David were both anointed with oil. They were both called anointed ones. This anointing, especially, especially as we run through the New Testament, carries with it a gifting of the Holy Spirit. So here we see that the Spirit is present amongst these two men, especially as we see them rise. 
Now, the last thing we want to pull to pull all this together, and then there's going to be a point to all this, is that these witnesses as trees and lampstands is drawing heavily from a passage in Zechariah, uh, specifically Zechariah chapter 4. And I want to read this to you. Um, Zechariah 4.1, and as soon as we get done this, I'll explain why all this matters. If you don't think it already matters, that's on you. But uh, Zechariah 4.1. And the angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who is awakened out of his sleep. Remember verse 1 of Revelation 11 begins with John being told to rise. So already there's a parallel. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand of all gold and a bowl on top of it and seven lamps on it. You see in the connection? And seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by it. One on the right of the bowl and the other on, the, on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these trees, my Lord? Isn't that great when you come to the scriptures and the prophets have no idea what they're looking at? Doesn't it make you feel better when you're reading and go, thank God I'm not alone. Uh, they're going, God, I don't, I don't know what any of this means here. Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I love how in, in heaven, they're always a little stumped that we don't get it. Like, <laughs> it's the seven lamps with the two trees. Don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, it's always, uh, is there a multiple choice I can use here? Um, <laughs> I said, no, my Lord. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice, and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range through the whole earth. Then I said to him, What are these two olive trees on the right and and left of the lampstand. And a second time I answered and said to him, What are these two branches of the olive trees which are beside the two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out? He asked twice, he's so confused. And he said to me, Do you not know what these are? No. No, my Lord. And he said, These are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. These are the two witnesses we're seeing in today's passage who are called olive trees and are connected as lampstands. These are the two anointed men of God in Zechariah 4 who dwell in the presence of God who are to stand beside the Lord in front of the whole world. These two men are to stand face to face with the Antichrist and all the world's armies and say, my God is greater. Isn't that a picture of us? But within this passage, there is a key, key text. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, 
nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You know that word hosts means armies? The Lord of heaven's armies. And that's today's text. Two thoughts. First, olive oil. Anytime I can make a, a point off of food, I'm in. That's what this whole thing's about. I just want to talk about olive oil. Um, what we have to gather here is that the might of these two men does not come from muscle or human power or will, but by God's spirit. These two witnesses draw their strength exactly like us to the church from God's spirit. Their effectiveness, their ministry is not going to be about their cunning. We have enough cunning pastors. We have enough great orators to fill a stadium. And we're spiritually dying because we need men of the spirit. These are not, they're not effective because of their theological excellence. No, no, no. The the, the power and authority that these two witnesses have come from the Lord of hosts through his Holy Spirit. And this is the church's story. This is our story. Everything that we read from these two or anyone else in the Bible, we have to understand God could do this with us if he so desired. God could tell these two witnesses that are trees and lampstands, and biblically so are we. And as we connect Revelation 11 to Zechariah 4 and the rest of the Bible, we are told plain as day that their power does not come from within themselves. Their power comes from the Spirit of God. We are instructed to get our eyes off of the two witnesses and onto the God of the witnesses. And this doesn't just apply to the two witnesses. Again, this applies to to all the church through all of time. This applies to us. Our effectiveness as the church is in direct correlation to the measure of God's grace and spirit operating amongst us and within us. David killed Goliath. Look what God has done. Moses parted the Red Sea. Look what God has done. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made it through the fire. There's a fourth person in there. Europe had revival. God. Southeast Asia had, still Korea, they have prayer services. They fill stadiums and pray till four in the morning. God. There's a church in every corner of America. Not all of them good, but a lot of them. God. Look what God has done. Now let's get a little more personal. Your marriage has survived. Look what God has done. You desire to be a church this morning. (laughs) Look what God has done. The story of these two, of the two witnesses, is not the story of two powerful men. It's the story of a powerful God. And this is our story. And if God is going to use us or this church or this pastor or this worship or these prayers, it will not be because we are anything special in and of ourselves. It will not be by might or by power, but by God's spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Loved ones, there are no great men and women of God. There are only weak and sinful men and women of a great and merciful Savior. And when we look through church history and we 
see the glorious things that God has done. And I love church history. I read these guys like I'm reading an Arnold Schwarzenegger watching a Schwarzenegger movie and he's mowing down 75 Russians and with, a, with saw blades and, you know. I'm reading these guys and they're building churches from nothing and they're, they're staring down lions to get eaten and come and get me. And I'm like, yeah. It's not them. And when we look at our own lives and all the good things that God has done through us, <laughs> and when we look at the people we admire who have done and are doing admirable and honorable work for the kingdom of God, we have to remember the oil. The lampstand does not shine without the oil. The, tree, the olive tree that does not bear olives is useless. Whenever we read the scriptures, we need to ask ourselves the one thing that is above all other things. What is this passage telling me about God? You know, we're instructed in a lot of these mega churches to find our story in the story. You read David and Goliath and you make yourself David. You make your five stones peace, uh, good schedule, uh, duty, uh, discipline, and then we kill our Goliaths. Wrong. Jesus is David. God is the hero. And today's passage, what it's telling us about God, it's shouting to us that even the best of men are only men. They're men at best. And in and of ourselves, we are fruitless trees. We are lampstands without oil. The oil lampstand doesn't fill itself with oil. Without God, we don't burn brightly. And when we die, we stay dead. But when his spirit is present, we bear fruit. We shine brightly. We raise to new life. Our God is the great high priest who fills us with oil. And our God is also not only the high priest, he's also the master gardener. Does, do we, are we a wild tree that grows beside streams of water? No, we are planted by those waters. He has picked the choicest soil for you, loved ones. He has picked the choicest soil for his church. And he has given us his perfect word. The story of the two faithful witnesses is the story of every faithful witness. John 16, 13 says, When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has has his mind. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The story of all faithful witnesses ultimately is the story of a faithful God. Now, thinking of God's presence in our life and the oil, we should remind ourselves of the first chapter of Revelation. In Revelation 1, John writes this, verse 12, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. So Jesus reveals himself to us in the Revelation in chapter 1 as standing amongst the lampstands of the churches. Verse 13, And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. Jesus is introduced to us in this book by wearing a priestly robe while walking and tending to the lampstands of the seven church, the whole church. 
And if we think about the tabernacle and temple, it was the priest's job to tend to the lampstands, to trim the wicks, to fill them with oil. And Jesus, Hebrew 4.14 tells us, is our great high priest. Jesus is the one to make sure that we are oiled. Jesus makes sure that we are on fire through his Holy Spirit. What is the church to be? A city on a hill. We are to shine light and salt, loved ones. And he makes sure we are filled with oil to shine. Jesus personally tends to us in this. And so what I want to say is if you greatly desire a a, a greater measure of God's spirit in your life, you desire to shine even more brightly, then please know fresh oil is found in the presence of Jesus. (laughs) To be a lampstand removed from his presence, Revelation 2, 5, is a horrible horrible thing but to dwell to be fixed to be planted in his presence is to have a fire that never goes out an oil tray that never runs dry Jesus is the great high priest who supplies the needs to of his church Jesus tells us what I I love this passage of scripture that he first he's the way you lost he's the way God, I'm, I'm, I'm running dry. He's the way. He's also the truth. We've never been surrounded by more bad information in the history of humanity. How do I make sense of any of this? He's the truth. Thirdly, he's the life. The life. It's the life. He is our life. He's the hill worth dying for. He's the one these two witnesses stand before the Antichrist and all the world's armies and say, kill me. I want to dwell in the presence of the Lord. Kill me. I don't care. We need fresh oil, loved ones. We need new oil. The the life of the church is in Jesus Christ, the Son. The illumination of the church is in the Son. It's not in programs. Christ is not glorified by how many small groups we have. It's how we point and illuminate the sun. The fruit of the church is in the sun. The salvation of the church is in the sun. The Father's only begotten son. These two witnesses in Revelation 11, they stand in sackcloth and preach. And what do you think they preach? Because we're not told what they preach. But we know what they preach. That the the sun Spiritual life is in the sun. Repent and turn to what? The temple? No. The sun. Now secondly, how do we... Because, you know, this, is a, this can be a real rah-rah moment if I kept going. But then we have to ask ourselves a question. Well, how do we draw near? Ever ask yourself that question? God, I need you. I want you. You're the way, the truth, and the life. You're the way to dig me out of this mess I'm in. And then the pastor says, follow Christ. And you go, great. How do I do that? Follow Christ. I don't know how to do that. Follow Christ. I still don't know. How do we receive the oil? How do we draw to the sun? Well, I'm glad you asked. That's my next point. Um, As we reflect upon trees in the Bible, the godly are to be and are as fruit trees planted And planted beside the waters. And the first thing I would like to tell you here is to be a planted tree and not a dead one. 
In the book of Jude, Jude talks about people as if they were dead trees. Trees without life, trees without water, twice dead and uprooted. And some of you may feel this way now. You, you, you've, you've been doing the church thing, reading your Bible, praying, and it just you're going through the motions. You feel spiritually like you're in a drought. Well, first of all, we, we have to accept that Jesus is not the way the feelings in the life. How you feel about yourself is no indication on how God feels about you. We have to preach the truth to ourselves, not constantly assess how we feel. So how you feel is no indication about how God feels. Secondly, Alistair Begg, uh, I love his teachings. He has a great line. He says, sunshine all the time and you only have desert. Trees cannot grow on only sunny days. We need rain, loved ones. And those streams of water run dry without rain, without snow from some mountaintop somewhere. And sometimes God's, God places us in seasons where we feel like we're running low on water. To where we feel like we're running low on oil. But it may not necessarily be true. He just might be, be, he might just be getting rid of everything else but him. Which is really him drawing closer. You just don't like it. <laughs> but as we look at healthy trees in the scriptures, the good tree in Psalm 1 is a planted one. And within the context of Psalm 1, where are the godly planted? In his word. In Acts chapter 2, the story of Pentecost. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit falls and equips God's people. And then it says, verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. When you think about the word Pentecostal, don't you typically think a rah, rah, heavy worship, dim lights, young people jumping around, or maybe you think about healings and people rising from the dead. I want you to know, biblically, the first thing the Holy Spirit Pentecostal-filled church did was go to the Word. They drove and dedicated themselves to the teachings of the apostles. Psalm 1 says the righteous man delights in the word. Uh, In Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the word. That word devoted there in in Acts 2 in the Greek is proskotereo, and it means to adhere to. There is such a thing as getting fat on the word and never using it. In Acts 2, they studied the word to live the word. They adhered to it. They studied the word and were transformed by the word. If they studied the word and didn't live the word, they didn't adhere to the word. That's not what this is talking about. In Psalm 1, the righteous meditate Hagah upon the word. It's the same thing the Lord said to Joshua before the Jewish people entered into the land of Canaan. Joshua 1.8, book, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, Hagah, on a day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is in it. Did you notice? Hearing and doing are connected. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. What the book of Joshua and Psalms mean are blessed are the people who walk around Haggah. That word almost means to mutter under your breath all day. Speaking the word under their breath. Who preach the scriptures to themselves all day. 
It's someone who stays planted in the word. It's someone who thinks on God's truths throughout the day, who are led by God's truths every day. And then Acts 2 says, and they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles and fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. So the first thing the Holy Spirit does is it adds 3,000 people to the church. (laughs) Is that he drives them to the word. And then to fellowship. And then the prayer. That's what a Holy Spirit-filled church looks like, according to the Bible. And then verse 43, and on then all came upon every soul, fear of the Lord. Where's fear of the Lord come? Wisdom. Where's wisdom come from? Knowing God. As they knew God, reverence, fear of the Lord came upon them, and then many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Most people jump right to the signs and wonders, not realizing the signs and wonders were birthed out of the knowledge of God. We're walking in obedience to the scriptures. And here's what I want to communicate as we go. Revelation 11.4. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord, Lord of the earth. Good trees and lampstands, the godly, stand before the Lord of the earth. If you want fresh oil, you want to be a good tree, you want to be a lampstand, get into the presence of God in his word, in prayer, and with his people, and stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Now, there's a a sense, I don't... Don't don't misunderstand me. There is a sense that we are already the temple of God. There is already a sense that we are as trees planted in the Garden of Eden. Yes and amen. You do not need to earn your salvation. You are not almost saved until you do X amount and then you can be entered in. We, we We are a total peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ and the biblical Christ you believe in the cross the cross it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me right he needed to die for this sinner if you're there you are saved praise God but there's also a sense that God's people need intentionality you have to intentionally plant yourself in God's word You're not going to wake up one day and, I know all the Bible. God gave you a Bible that you may learn it. There's a sense that God's people need intentionality to plant themselves in God's word and in his presence every day. As lampstands, we need to continually draw near the high priest for new oil. And as trees, we need to draw from the waters of the word all day to bear good fruit. You know, I'm hesitant to share this, but um, I I get up early. I get up early. And the first thing I do is I, I read my Bible and I pray. Because the worst thing in the world that can happen is Josh has to say on what happens that day. God has to guide me or it fails. The number one thing my wife needs is a godly husband. 
the number one thing my children need is a godly father. The number one thing this church needs is a godly pastor. <laughs> sure, I could start working on that study bright and early with hair and the coffee and, and an IV drip. You know, I'm, I'm ready. But if my relationship with the Lord is not good, this is not, this is not God honoring. We need to constantly draw ourselves into the presence of God. As trees, we need to plant ourselves in the word and draw from it every day, all day. And do not let it depart from you, Joshua 1.8. And as lampstands, draw and shine on Jesus every day and all day. And don't let your uh, lamp run out of oil. Thinking of that parable of the ten virgins. Draw from and to Jesus every day. Get in the word. Get in prayer. And get together with his people. Acts chapter 2. This is how you stay full of the Holy Spirit. He gives it to you so that you may do these things. And as you do these things, he continues to equip you to do these things. And then, as we desire to do that, then he will draw near. And then he will fill And then he will use you. Because as he waters, you bear fruit. And God uses that fruit for his glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We ask that you would help us to be both trees and lampstands. God, we thank you that we are both planted and your temple. And God, help us to stay planted (laughs) and be desired to be your temple. We thank you for the word received, and God, we ask for more. God, one of the things that we we pray for today is is an anointing of your Holy Spirit. Send, Send your spirit here in such a powerful and tangible way that you may burn away all of the snares and pitfalls of the evil one. And that we may desire you. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Fill us with oil, not so that we may shine on our businesses (laughs) or our routines, but that we may illuminate Christ as both our Lord and Savior, our great high priest. If anyone needs prayer here, we ask that they receive prayer by the side door here. God, we we thank you for your word. Do not let it depart from us now. Let us meditate, murmur on it all day, all week, all month, all year, all life. And we ask all these things in accordance with your word and goodness. In Jesus' name, all who agreed said, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Calvary Baltimore. Please keep in touch. Send us an email with your questions, prayer requests, or just to say hi. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is calvary.faithlife at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate to support the work God is doing through Calvary Baltimore, go to calvarychapelbaltimore.org and click Donate Now. And if you're in the area, stop by on a Sunday morning. For directions and service times, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org. Finally, if you're unable to come see us in person, we also live stream on our website and on our Facebook page. We hope you've been blessed by this week's teaching. Until next time, keep drawing closer to God through the reading of His Word.
and join us again for the next Calvary Baltimore Sermon Podcast. 